Grace to you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Tonight, once again, the words for our consideration are those account, uh, the account of the ten lepers in Luke 17. Again, it is written, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. So far the sermon text. Let us pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Your word is powerful. By that word you created all things in the beginning. And by that word you nourish our hearts. We pray today that you would set us apart from all that is dying, that you would sanctify us by the truth, for your word is truth. Amen. <clears throat> Fellow redeeming Christ, I know some of you have some familiarity with Minnesota. Up north in Minnesota, there's a big lake called Cass Lake. And uh, when I was a, a kid, we used to go up there for fishing trips in the summer. My grandfather loved to fish and we would all go with him to this fishing resort and he loved it because he didn't have to drag a boat up there. They would lend him a boat for the day and he could go out fishing. It's a huge lake. The, the big open part of the lake is, is uh, about 10 miles square. A lot of open water and one time we were out there, all of us, the whole family was on the boat and um, we were out a ways into that open water, fishing, trolling along. And over in the west, we could see a wall cloud coming. You know, one of these huge thunderstorms. And, and below it, we could see the water getting angry. And we didn't quite know what that meant. But my grandpa immediately made the decision, we better make a beeline back to the resort. Make for the resort. And the swells grew. and. Pretty soon we were bouncing up and down, and at first it seemed like um, kind of fun. Then it became obvious that it was getting pretty serious, that it was dangerous. Making for port was the only sensible thing to do, and we made it just as the hail started coming down from that thunderstorm, and boy, were we thankful to be undercover. For the ten lepers of our sermon text tonight, the storm had already hit as far as they were concerned. They already had a terminal disease. Their skin was slowly dying. They were cut off from their family and friends because of the disease. 
But then hope appeared in the form of a man whom they believed could heal them. By this time, they'd heard of Jesus' mighty miracles. They had heard that he was a compassionate man. So when they heard that Jesus was making his way along the border between Samaria and Galilee on his way to Perea, they sought him out. They made their way to him from one of those border villages. And there in that lonely spot, Jesus did not fail them. They lifted up their voices. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They said it so loud because they had to keep their distance from everyone. And then it says, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, for us, maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but for the Israelites, this was what was required of people who had been healed of this dreadful disease. They were to go to show themselves to the priests, and the priests would make sure that that leprosy was gone. And so this was a charged statement that Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And then he said, and then it says, as they went, they were cleansed. It's such a simple account of, of God's mercy and grace. Maybe you've noticed that there's some similarity there with some of the things that we normally say in our church services. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. We call that the, the Kyrie, the Kyrie eleison. And that's been sung in Christian churches for many, many centuries. And it comes in part from this account. We come to Jesus calling out, have mercy on us. Now it's not likely that any of you have leprosy. I don't think I've ever seen a case in my whole life. Most of us aren't ostracized for having a communicable disease. But by God's grace, we Christians recognize that there is a storm coming. So like those lepers we make for Jesus, who's the only cure for sin and for its troubles. The lepers made for the man working miracles. They thought they were in the storm and they were seeking for refuge. And so they made for Jesus. They believed that he could heal them. And they were right but only in a, a pretty small way. If you've heard God's word, you know that there's a much worse storm than the leprosy that they were dealing with. Whipped up by our sinful natures, this whole world is dying. I'm dying. You're dying. Soon this whole thing will come to an end, God says. And the law of God makes it clear that we've sinned and we'll one day stand before God. 
What does that mean for us? It's a storm, I tell you. We're just as apt to think of Jesus as a vending machine as those lepers. We're just as apt to think, if I do this, he'll take care of me. He'll heal me. He'll give me what I want, what I've paid for, by trying to do all the good stuff that I do. We're just as apt to think of the Son of God as a miracle worker who's here for our benefit because we've done something to deserve what he has. Nothing could be further from the truth. Think for just a moment about what God gives. I kind of mean that literally, this moment. Time itself is a gift from God. The air that we breathe, that's God's life-sustaining creation too. We didn't pay for the air we breathe. Everything we need for this life is daily bread, which God gives. That's why we pray that he give it to us. In the Lord's Prayer. There's no guarantee that a seed placed in the ground will bring forth food from the earth, except that God has promised that it will, and so it does. But if you think hard about this, you'll find some resistance in your heart. The sinful nature hates to really think about what God has done for us. Our minds want to cry out, yeah, but I did something for it. Look how hard I had to work. How dangerous it is when we think of our daily bread this way. Because then instead of hearing God's word and making for God when troubles come our way, which is all the time, instead, when we think we're the origin of the good things in our lives, then we try to rely on ourselves. We try to control our destiny. But the longer we do that, the longer we find ourselves out in the storm until at last we face that final trial when all our control is gone and all our wealth and influence means nothing. When we're truly shown for what we are, dying sinners. Even more dangerous is when we think that we're the solution to our spiritual situation. There's never going to be an end to the writing of spiritual self-help books. You go to a bookstore and there's rack upon rack of those things. So why do we think we can solve our own spiritual problems if there always has to be a new self-help book out there? We often think that way. Even Christians who know the goodness of the Lord, even we are drawn into this false idea that faith is of our doing. That if we just believe harder, that if we worship harder and more sincerely, more authentically, love God with more devotion, if we just work harder at being good Christians, then then we'll be making progress. Then God will have to take us seriously. then faith does not make for thankfulness. And our works are not done out of gratitude toward God. That's the religion of this world. And it's not the truth. Trying once again to justify ourselves before God will never work. 
Not only does he see our every thought, word, and deed, that we fail to keep his law, but when we go down that path, it's showing ingratitude toward our Lord who freely forgives us and gives us what we need for this life and the next. It's Jesus who freely forgives. It's Jesus who gives. That truth is at the heart of the true Christian religion, and without it, without dwelling on it, without our lives revolving around it, we do just what those nine lepers did. They went their way satisfied that God had done as they needed done. But their lives bore no evidence then that their hearts were touched by that, that gracious generosity of God. I hope that later in their lives they repented and in their prayers gave thanks, but there's no evidence of that in our text. And Jesus points out their ingratitude, so it is significant. Then Jesus answered, it says, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? It wasn't the bloodlines of the nine lepers. They were descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were of the people of Israel. It wasn't their religious observance of Judaism with all its rules that mattered. It was this foreigner, the Samaritan, the outsider to Judaism who gave thanks. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. I don't think we fully appreciate how shocking this account is. It's not to us. We're from a nation of many peoples and cultures, but the Samaritans were the leftover riffraff of that long-gone northern kingdom that had split away from their brothers in the south and had followed a false religion a thousand years before this, after the time of King Solomon. It would have been shocking for the Jews to think a Samaritan would be worthy of God's miraculous healing, and it would have been doubly shocking to think that he came back to thank this Jewish man who had healed him. So Jesus is really pointing us to the fact that faith makes for thankfulness. And a faith without thankfulness to God is dead. Tomorrow, most of us will be gathering with family and friends to partake in way too much food in the celebration of our National Day of Thanksgiving. It's not a, a religious holiday. It was Washington who proclaimed a National Day of Thanksgiving, but Jefferson didn't celebrate it. And after that, it was kind of celebrated on and off until Lincoln proclaimed it the day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. I love that. He said that it was to be celebrated with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience, and that we ought to fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation. This is good advice. 
especially this year in the midst of all the strife and the weirdness that's afoot in our land. Even better, let us, let us turn to Jesus and give thanks. Look at what he's given us. Look at the full and free forgiveness he has won for you and me by doing everything for us, by living his life without sin, by giving that life up for us on the cross to pay for our sins fully and freely, by rising and ascending to prepare a place for us at the heavenly banquet table, And then look at all that he's given us for our daily bread. Those of you who've gone through confirmation class in a Lutheran church, you know this list. Food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, fields, cattle, money, goods, God-fearing spouse and children, faithful servants and rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, order, honor, true friends, good neighbors, and the like. We could add on to that list all day long. In this world, there are always storms coming, fellow redeemed. Let faith make for the safety of this ark we call the church. And let that faith make for thankfulness as we rejoice that we are safe in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Rejoice. And enjoy that meal and enjoy your family and enjoy that moment that the Lord has given. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please rise. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.